You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. The leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, and our focus is on mastering communication as an essential leadership skill so that you can command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. My guest this week is Scott Miller. Scott is the co-founder and CEO of Yesly Water. He's been an operating CEO for 20 years. He's also the author of a new book, called The Summit Mindset, Winning the Battle of You Versus You. Clearly, that's another book that I need to add onto my list as soon as is humanly possible when this interview is done. Scott, welcome to the show. Laura, it's a pleasure to be here with you today. I'm really looking forward to having a chat about business and life. Love it. And before we get into the nitty gritty of business, tell me about something that's a fun fact, a little known fact about you. A little known fact to me is I love to rise every morning and take a morning run and spend some time thinking about life and business, just a way to start my day. And at the end of every week, I take about a 15 minute walk just to reflect on my week and think about the week ahead. I love that. It's so simple, but it's such an important piece to just get away from screens, get away from people, get away from everything and just digest really what's been going on. What's the biggest revelation you had during a Friday afternoon walk? Just really reflecting on, you know, what is important. Balancing life and business is always a challenge for all of us. And I like to take that time and really reflect on where I am on my family, my business, my life, and what I'm doing to enjoy life as well. So I believe those walks have been a great tool for me to kind of recalibrate and also review where I'm at. Love it. Love it. I think I'm going to start to, well, it's raining today. So maybe not today, but next week, definitely. We'll start that. Now, what about Yesley? Tell us about your 30-second elevator pitch. Yeah, Yesley is an enhanced still water beverage, vitamin B12, B6, electrolytes, and zero calories. It comes in four flavors, black cherry, lemon, kiwi, strawberry, and pomegranate, Aussie, blueberry. So we're super excited about Yesley. We're in about 22 states in the country. We're only a nine-month-old brand, and we're really excited about creating new opportunity, white space in the market. That's amazing. And so for everybody out there who's heard the word electrolyte, but has really no idea what it is, they just know it sounds important. Can you give like a one sentence definition of what is an electrolyte and why should I care? Sure. I mean, as you know, Laura, all our bodies have electrolytes and it really helps us really recharge and keeps us replenished for the day ahead. And it's also something that we need throughout the course of the day when we're working move out on a jog out in the mountains. And it's a real need for our, our own system, quite frankly. Love it. And now we know where to get it with Yesley Water. So What's something that you wish more people understood about either your role, your company, or your industry, aside from what electrolytes are? And how do you see your role in changing this perception? Who do you talk to to do so? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I like to think of people as the industry standpoint. We love every consumer with the mouth. We all have to drink every day, right? We all have to eat every day. So it's a really interesting industry. It's highly competitive, but it's an opportunity to bring better for you products to the consumer. And I'd encourage all your listeners to be in pursuit of what's ever important to them, whether it's healthy eating or a healthy lifestyle. And that's what's so exciting about the beverage industry overall. So what's something people don't understand about either the industry or running a company like this, and you need more people to understand it? 
Yeah, I think really running a company like any company, particularly in the beverage industry, it's a crowded industry. How do you find white space in the marketplace? How do you create a point of difference versus your competitive set? And how do you offer something new and interesting to the consumer? The consumer has so many choices and they make a decision in about 10 seconds when they're at the shelf. So what's your point of difference? One of the things we know in the beverage industry is consumers do two things. One, they buy with their eyes and great taste keeps them coming back. So did you ever think that you did a great job of explaining something only to have the listener look at you like a deer in the headlights? Not really. (laughs) Then I want to be you when I grow up because that's something that I've uh, managed to figure out how to do for absolutely everybody all the time. And what have you allowed yourself to be emotionally vulnerable with your team and how did it impact your relationship with them moving forward? Yeah, Laura, that's a great question. When I took over the essential water business, I sat with each employee individual and I talked about my own vulnerability that in my early 30s, I was diagnosed with stage four ulcerative colitis. It was a really difficult time in my life. I had to take disability, I had a young family, and I talked about that. And I talked about that adversity and how to really work through that. And I shared that with each individual. And then I asked them through time to share some of their vulnerability. And what that really did, it really galvanized us and bond us that we're all human beings and we all face personal and professional adversity. And when you can share that, you can really start to know each other as a team. And I believe that allows a team to move forward as better competitors and most importantly, better humans. How did they respond when you just sort of, was it during a Monday morning board meeting or, or team meeting? It's like, hey, got some news. So uh, yeah, sales were up 10% and I got colitis or how does that work? I think the way I do it is I like to speak to people individually, like you and I are talking today and ask them to share a little of their own adversity. Then I share some of mine. And I think what you find from people is they kind of pause and look at it like, oh my God, like he's sharing some adversity. As a leader, he's sharing some what he's been through. And I do believe that really brings us closer together. And I like to continue to do that through an organization, whether it's a business challenge, how we get through together, or a personal challenge when we share them, we can get better as a team, we can problem solve and really understand each other. I believe in today's workforce, that is a very, very important piece for all of us to know each other as individuals and professionals. And I'm curious, you know, I'm trying to envision those meetings where you're having a conversation with somebody and you say, there is uh, something I'd like to share with you. And I'm guessing it probably wasn't a matter of, okay, I've got colitis, go. Now you tell me yours. I just showed you my vulnerability. Now you show me yours. It's not exactly a quid pro quo. Is it more of an invitation? You know, I wanted you to know that it's okay to share these things. Is there anything that you wanted to ever let us know or that you... We're not putting people on the spot or telling them now they have to do this. How how does that play out? I think I always start with, let me tell you about my own personal life, my business life. And I also want to share with you some of the adversity I've been through in life and share that vulnerability. And I start talking about being diagnosed with stage four ulcerative colitis and how difficult that was that I spent a decade at NYU on the highest dosage of azacol, a lab. 14 pills a day and struggling to keep my colon and struggling to raise a young family and to keep my career going. And then I just really turn to them and say, Laura, tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, what have been some of your challenges? And also tell me about some of your triumphs. And when we do that, we really just have a fireside chat with each other as human beings. And I think that's really, really valuable. And I think it's super powerful. I would imagine that gets a lot deeper in the getting to know you level of conversation way beyond the small talk. Absolutely. Now, On the flip side, what's a time when you needed to assert yourself powerfully? Well, I think as a leader, you know, as a time we had COVID hit us all, the whole world didn't know what was going on. We all kind of thought, how are we going to get through this? How bad will this really be? And at Essential, we talked about being a people first organization. And 
Ken Optane, our founder at Essential, we talked about that, how we can give back. And we decided that we were going to give back $5,000 to each family with children 16 years and under to help them with homeschool, to help them with tutoring, whatever they might need, even a computer. Some folks raised their hand in the organization and said, well, I have a college student. You know, why wouldn't you give back to that college student? And we said, thank you for that question. Thank you for being a valuable voice. But we decided those children 16 years and younger were the ones in the greatest need, that the college student could find different ways to create some income, to do some things. But we wanted to take care of those young folks. So I think it's important as a leader that we talk about when the organization doesn't understand how we got to a decision. And I believe when we can explain our decision tree, people understand that. They may not agree with us, but they logically understand how we got there. So I believe that's a very important way to communicate to the organization. I want to hear what they don't agree with, but then I want to explain our decision. Sure. And I think that's such a fundamental need in us as humans is to have our intentions understood. And I think where there's transparency, as you just demonstrated really well, when you explain why, here's the rationale. We have to draw the line somewhere. We can't just give out, you know, you've got kids in college. What if they're in grad school? And what if they're this? And what if they're 45? And what if they're, look, there's always a reason to be even more generous, but there are finite amounts of funding. You want to keep your job and your salary too. So which is going to come first? But when it's like we're choosing to be generous, here's the extent to which we can do that. We hope you appreciate this much. We're sorry we can't do more. And I think it also tells something about the people who respond too. If we're saying, you know what, there's, gee, they, they're only giving this and they're not giving us this other thing too. It's like, we didn't have to give you anything. So that kind of lets you know that maybe this is not the right person for the role or gives you a sense of where there is or isn't a culture fit. And you see a lot about people in those kinds of spaces too. So were there any interesting responses from that? Well, there was actually a lot of silence. I think a lot of them absorbed what we were saying. They kind of understood that we didn't make this decision in a vacuum. We thought Mm -hmm. about about the needs of others. And that's the way we went about it. I always believe communication is the easiest thing, but the hardest thing. And I believe in an organization, culture is a living, breathing thing. It's not a plaque on the wall. So I love the tough questions. I love to speak about it. And we always, to your earlier point, Laura, we have good intentions in mind. And sometimes they serve a piece of the organization. Other times they serve the whole organization. But when you can speak about it, you can move forward in a very meaningful way. Yes. And as far as meaningful is concerned and making meaningful decisions and choices, this is a great opportunity to shift into our listener 24-hour influence challenge. So Scott, this is my opportunity to invite you to speak directly to our audience and challenge them to take one step that they can complete within 24 hours to have more influence. How would you like to challenge our listeners today? I challenge your listeners to dream awake. I think that often people think about dreaming awake and they procrastinate on that. And I believe those 24 hours are important to take your dream and start to create a process for application with your dream. So that would be my challenge to your listeners. Dreaming awake. Can you give me an example of something that you dreamed awake? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've never written a book before. I wrote the book, as you talked about earlier, The Summit Mindset, Winning the Battle You Versus You. And people said to me, how are you going to do that? You've never been an author before. And I said, it's something I want to do. I dreamed awake about it. I went and took some classes on how to write a book. I spent some time outlining my book. And then I went and spent some time to find an author to co-author with me. And I made that dream awake come true. And Summit Mindset was released earlier this fall. It has become a bestseller on Amazon. So we're super proud of that. I did that with James Seymour, who's a New York Times bestselling author. So I think dreaming awake is really about your actions forward. And I truly encourage your audience to do that. 
I love it. Okay, dreaming awake, everybody. You've got your marching orders moving forward. Now, tell me about a time when you needed to inspire others. I think often, you know, in life, both either personally or professionally, yeah, I always believe inspiring others is so important. I think there's two situations I'll give you. One, from a personal standpoint, I hear a lot of folks say, well, it's a New Year's resolution. I want to take a walk around the block. I want to lose 10 pounds. And then talk about that a little bit. And I just talk about being consistent. Take the time to do it three times a week consistently, whether it's raining, snowing, or hot, be consistent. And I believe one of the things that are missed in life often is the ability to be consistent. So inspiring people to get after something on a consistent basis. From a business perspective, inspiring our team to make sure that we're living our culture. You know, at Yesly, we talk about being a we culture, stopping people sometimes and saying, wait a minute. Are we delivering a we culture? Are we listening to each other? Are we being a valuable voice? Are we making a decision together? We never want to top down the organization and suppress the organization. We want to power the organization to be a voice, to add value, to bring different ideas. So I think inspiring is really a big part of life, both personally and I believe professionally as well. And it's something actually, Laura, I think about every day, how I can inspire others. So let's go back to that example about being a we culture. And do you actually stand there in meetings with your group as you're listening to feedback and ask them explicitly, is that an example of being a we culture? Are we doing that if we follow that path? Or do you use different kind of language to bring that subject to the table? Well, we try to live our pillars every day. And we have four pillars. The first one is being a we culture. And what I'll usually do probably biweekly is put our pillars up and talk about, hey, how are you doing as a we culture? Do we stink at anything? I love to talk about what we stink at. We all know what we're good at, right? But I love to talk about what we stink at. Are we listening to each other? How are we doing on communication? How are we problem solving together? Are we living our culture together? So I actually put them up because I never want our culture to be a plaque on the wall. I want to live it. I want to breathe it. And I want it to be actionable. So I love talking about it. Like I said, Laura, we all know what we're good at. And human beings typically like to talk about what they're good at. Human beings don't like to speak about what they stink at. So organizationally, I think when we review our culture, we also say, what do we stink at? How do we get better? When we do that together, we are a weak culture. We're galvanized as one team. And how has the group responded to discussing what we stink at? Because I agree, if you don't look at where the problems are, you can't figure out how to fix them. If you're only identifying the things where you're already the leader, where you're already the best or really solid, then you're going to at best stay where you are. Or those stinky areas that are going unacknowledged are going to start being anchors because they'll fester and they can really make a mess later on. So how have people responded to the idea of talking about the stinky areas and are they comfortable with it? Or is there still some hesitation sometimes to say, I, I think there's a stinky point over here? I think that I always talk about if I stick at something, when I make a mistake, I'm vulnerable. I talk about it. Hey, I made a mistake there. We can do that better. I should have closed that circle with an email back to the customer to tell him what we were looking for, that we needed his order delivery sooner. So I think when an organization sees that myself as a leader speaks about it, they all feel being vulnerable is okay and talking about what we stink at. We bring up those ideas and we never finger point, we problem solve together. The first thing that has to happen with any organization is they have to trust that the culture is authentic and real. As a leader, I need to talk about my vulnerability when I do stinking, right? So we love to talk about that. Even your best meetings, there's something you could always do better. So I'll start that meeting to say, okay, what could we have done better? Maybe I could have opened up differently. Maybe I could have went through the summary different at the end of the meeting. When you create that kind of cadence and that kind of language, 
the organization really responds well. And I think, honestly, when we talk about what we stink at, we become the best competitors because we're constantly looking inward and we're constantly recalibrating. I believe business and life is an inside-out job. I think it all starts inside first. In order to do that, you always have to review the tape. Yes, I talk a lot about that. I love the analogy of reviewing the game tape or the game footage, the the game video, whether it's Monday morning after the football game or Tuesday morning after the Monday morning board meeting, looking back. And, and that's why I'm always telling my clients quite literally, yes, we have to record. We need to do some video work because I need you to review the tape so that you see and hear what I and everybody else is seeing and hearing. Otherwise, you know what you meant to do. You know what play was in the playbook. You know what got called on the field, but you don't know what maybe would have helped you get another few yards out of that, much less a touchdown. We got to review the tape. Love the analogy. I think leaders have to be learners. You have to have that mindset. So you're always looking to review the tape. You're always looking to get a little better. And it's always about recalibration. Yeah, having that debrief one way or another. So then what about when you're looking to hire or to promote a candidate to a top leadership role in your organization? Have you ever had an interview and thought to yourself, wow, this person really has it? What was that it factor that you recognized and how did you recognize it? I love to interview folks. I love to ask them a little bit about themselves. Tell me a little about Laura. Tell me who you are. And unfortunately, what happens often, you've probably seen this in your career, Laura, is people tell you, I'm really hardworking, I'm honest, and I'm a good person. Well, close your eyes. Anybody could say that. Sure. I want to talk about Laura in detail. I want them to be able to talk about their career and tell me about their success. Tell me about their failures, what they've done well, and be able to really measure their success and failures and really talk about their career in a meaningful way. I think the greatest asset we ever have is ourselves. And we should really do the work on that and be able to measure where we're going in our career. So part of being a we culture is I look not for I people, I look for we people, but I also want to know the impact they had in the organization. And I want to know the impact who they are as a human being personally. So we're not just hiring folks for the job every day, but who are you as a human being? What makes you different? You know, what do you aspire to as a human? I want to know those things. So how, what advice would you give to somebody who's saying, but but I don't want to talk about myself. It's it's not, you said it's a we culture, it's not an I culture. So how do I reconcile, don't sound like I'm full of myself, but still tell you what impact I have had and what I'm good at and why you should hire me because you're not hiring the team that I just worked with to get these other great results. Where's that balance? The ultimate goal is you want to make sure people are contributors. You want to make sure that people can talk about what they contribute to the organization, what they've accomplished, what their contribution will be going forward. You want to also understand what's their summit? What are they in pursuit of in business? What are they in pursuit of personally? I think it's really important for us as individuals to be in pursuit and in your professional career to be in pursuit. I think complacency is where dreams go to die. Mm -hmm. I want to know folks both personally and professionally. I'm not asking to be braggadocious. But I'm asking to get to know them a little bit and see if they're doing that work. Because if they do that, I know they'll be great teammates. And ultimately, that's what we want to do, right? I think building cultures is an ever-breathing and living thing. It's not a plaque on the walls, I said earlier. But you want folks that want to contribute to that culture and want to be part of that. Every once in a while, you get people that really don't want to be part of a culture. They want to be individual performers. They really don't care about the team. They just want to do their job and be very proficient at it. And quite frankly, when adversity hits, that individual performer doesn't really do well in adversity. What you learn about folks is whether contributors to an organization, when adversity hits, 
they're on your team. They're part of that we culture. And together we problem solve. So what's a good structure that you would encourage people to use? So if they're sitting there going, well, I mean, I want to tell them about this time and about this project and these problems that we had to overcome, but I don't want to sound like I'm full of myself. How could I express that? What are some words that I could use to maybe preface or to frame so that he understands that I do want you to understand my contribution and the value that I bring to the team, but not make it all about, look at me, look at me, look at me. I always ask folks when I'm interviewing them, if you hit the lottery tomorrow, what is your biggest accomplishment in business? What are you most proud of? Tell me a little bit about that. And that really sets the stage for them to share their biggest contribution, what they're most proud of in their career. Some folks are in their career five years, other folks are in their career 20 years. Tell me if you hung up your hat tomorrow, what are you most proud of? And I think that's funny how you framed it as far as the, if you win the lottery tomorrow, because implications, because you're not coming back, are you? <laughs> it's like, what plane are you going to be on? What island or what ski slope are you going to be sitting on and, and listening to our podcast? But unlikely showing up for work the next day. So uh, this is going to be the end of that career component of your life. So when you look back, that's a great point of retrospective. So of course, they wouldn't be interviewing for the job anymore at that point either. That's very funny. So finally, Scott, what is something that you do to create a little bit more fun for your team or organization? We try to get on team calls like this five, 10 minutes early. Just talk about life. Hey, how was your weekend? What you do this week? And how are the kids? And really create what I call a play loose organization. And then, okay, let's get to work. And what's happened through time is everybody gets on teams calls early. We spend some time talking about what went on and what we're doing. And then we get to work. I think having a relaxed environment that's still very serious and want to get things done is really important. And then giving back to communities, whether that's you know, going into an urban environment and painting houses, going to schools together and painting schools. I've done things like that. Going to, when I've run international business, going abroad and, you know, working to create a, a working living garden outside of a school so people can understand agriculture. So I think there's a lot of things to give back in the community. In fact, yes, he's only a nine-month-old company, Laura, and we've given back about $4,000 to the folks in Hawaii on the tragic fires that happened mm. there giving back. So I believe, you know, your culture is about saying what you do, doing what you say and living it and being part of the community is really, really important to us in everything we do. No, I think that's beautiful. And so it sounds like community service is a big part of the cultural. Is it, uh, is it a quarterly event that you put together? Is it an annual event to give people the opportunity to come and participate in? How does that work? Yeah, as we grow, I think we like to do things annually, right? We like to do things on an annual event. We like to plan them out. You know, we've done things, giving back to the armed services, and other businesses that I've run on building bikes for tots, for families of the armed services, trying to do things in a meaningful way, trying to take people from the manufacturing floor to the boardroom to work together, you know, to do things together, to get to know a little about each other and really to be proud of the organization. I think it's super important. We are serving the community every day and giving back is really important. And do you take ideas from your team as far as like surveying them and say, what are some things, some service projects we could do this year? Should we do a soup kitchen? Should we do a treats for troops collection post Halloween kind of thing? What's how do you get the ideas? Absolutely. As being part of a we culture, we're always asking for feedback. What can we do? What's the best idea? And what you get to see when you really create a we culture is everyone's a contributor. Everyone's given ideas. So we love to do that. We try not to top down things that we can give to the culture to give back, you know, obviously building a plan and our financial plan and building our North Star in our business, something we do as a leadership team. But the more we can involve everyone, 
people are empowered to make a difference. And that is ultimately the goal I have in every business I've ever run. Scott, I think this is a great place for us to wrap up. Thank you so much for joining me today. But first, tell people how can they learn more about you, about Yesley Water, and most importantly, about your book. Thank you so much, Laura. This has been a real treat to spend some time with you talking about business and life. But they can find the Summit Mindset, Winning the Battle, You versus You on Amazon. And also, Yesley Water, you can find us on our website, yesleywater.com, or our Instagram handle, Yesley Water as well. We can also find Yesley on Amazon and probably a town near you throughout the United States. Oh, I love it. I love it. And everybody, please go to Amazon. We will, of course, put all the links in our show notes so that it's an easy one-click. Check out that book. I'm going to do that as soon as we are done today. Thank you so much for joining us, Scott. This was a lot of fun. It was an honor. Thanks so much, Laura. And everybody else, as always, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or your platform of choice so we can help even more people to increase their confidence, presence, and influence. And finally, if you want to download my free guide to equipment recommendations for virtual influence, including my picks for microphones, lights, and more, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. The hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.